Come now, my darling, and step back in time with me for a spell. Back to when the wild things, they were not for sale. And what was sacred had not yet been forgotten before our minds became clouded and filled with rot. There was one, at least one in each and every clan. Hi, everybody. I am Lady Stars and Fire. You are listening to Otherland Dreams. And I'm here with, who am I here with? Hill Hippie. It's Hill <coughs> Hippie. <laughs> I just did not expect to look up and see that. I was like, well, okay. <laughs> I'm ready, but <laughs> I couldn't help myself. That was funny. Um, you never know what's going to come out of my mouth. Yeah, literally. <laughs> Oh, good. Um, so tonight's show is all about the Day of the Dead. Dia de los Huerto. Yeah, I was so hoping you would pronounce that for me. <laughs> <laughs> when it comes to anything that's not English, I mean, let's face it, listeners, y'all know what is English. I don't even do it good. <laughs> <laughs> well. <laughs> Shush. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, <laughs> so. You snorted. I know. <laughs> I'm like sneezing, like left and right today, uh, which technically in my view is a good thing because that means I'm getting rid of negativity. But the snort necessarily wasn't part of that. <laughs> anyway, so today we were going to do the show all about, you know, the festival of the Day of the Dead. Everybody has heard of, you know, sugar skull paintings and all of that. But, I mean, do they really know what it represents? Do they really understand what it means? I don't even know what it means. I don't know what a damn sugar skull is. It makes me think of some candy or something. You know, I just think they're cool looking. I mean, if you take <clears throat> away all of anything that's important about the Day of the Dead and the meaning of what they have to do with, which we will get to further into the show. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just think that they're cool, and I kind of collect them like I collect skulls in general because I, I think they're cool. <laughs> there is a large amount of sugar skulls running around in the populace and uh, culture right now. Of and course. it's not just this time of year. It's... Yeah, no, exactly. All the time. Yeah, I mean, they've they've grown a name so far beyond what they actually represent to where it almost doesn't have a representation. Sadly, you know what I'm saying? It's it's like like I said, even I I mean, I collect them also because I like anything with skulls on it for the most part. And I know that it has to do with the Day of the Dead as well, but I also have a connection with the angel of death and whatnot. So anything that has skulls to do with, for me, I typically collect, which is not speaking very well of the day of the dead in general. It's just the truth <laughs> as far as the way I look at it. Now, most of this information that I'm kind of going over tonight, you can obviously Google almost anything that we talk about on the show, but... I pulled this off of uh, not uh, off of one of the websites for National Geographic, specifically. I figured, you know, 
you can take a little bit of this and a little bit of that and a little bit of this from different websites. But I was like, overall, National Geographic usually has a pretty idea, a pretty good tone of what they're talking about. And considering it's not the area of my expertise, I was like, let me stick with that. There you go. I'm sorry. I was taking a sip of my drink. Do what you got to do. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> so here's one thing that we do know about, I'm going to try to pronounce it, and you're going to correct me because I'm going to say it wrong. I know it. Didel, see, I already lost it. Didel mortis. Dia de los mortos. Uh, muertos. Okay, muertos. please forgive me for butchering it. I'm just going to keep calling it the day of the dead. Fair enough. <laughs> so that I don't destroy it. Is is not a Mex Mexican version of Halloween. A lot of people misinterpret this and just want to call it a Mexican version of Halloween. Though it is related to annual, I mean, it is related the two annual events. They do differ greatly in tradition and in tone. Mm-hmm. Whereas Halloween is a dark night of terror and mischief, the Day of the Dead festival unfolds over two days in an expulsion of color and life and affirming joy. Sharing the, sure the theme of death, but it points to the devotion of love and respect of the deceased of family members. Right. <laughs> so... I mean, before I even go any further, there's there are those people out there who are going to be like, well, isn't that the same? No. Right off the bat, no. This has to do with representing your loved ones who have crossed over and those who have, you've known in general, even if they were family and you didn't personally know them. You know, it's representing their life and honoring their life as well as the dead, not just the idea of Halloween and the horror ghost and goblins and all of the weird spiritual shit that's out there. There's actually a more depth, family, soulful, spiritual connection here than just putting on some costumes. Right. Okay. Um, let me see where I was at. In towns and cities throughout Mexico, revealed... Uh, I'm not even going to bring that up because I can't... Reveals Don Funky Makeup... And costumes. I don't know what that is. But it has to do with the way that they design their makeup, their sugar skulls, and all of that. Yeah, Dawn so, means to put on. Okay, because, yeah. Dawn, funky makeup, and costumes. To put on funky makeup and costumes. Okay, that would uh, that would explain why I was like, what? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um, but it's, it's the preparing for the parties, the singing, the dancing, the um, <clears throat> and making the offering to the lost loved ones in general. The ritual, uh, the rituals are rife with symbolic meaning. The more you understand about the feast for the senses, the more you will appreciate it. And then we're going to go over some of the different things that help you to understand the festival itself. <coughs> Excuse me. Day of the Dead originated several thousand years ago with the Aztecs. The, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing this wrong, Toltec, 
T-O-L-T-E-C? No, that's right. Okay, the Toltec and other Naho people, N-A-H-U-A. Not familiar with that one. Okay, N-A-H-U-A. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing it right. And Nahu? I'm, Nahu. I said Naho. So, Nahu people who considered mourning the dead disrespectful. Also or, the Mayans. Yeah, I could see that. For these, um, but the idea was mourning the dead was seen as disrespectful. For these pre-Hispanic cultures... Death was a natural phase of life and a long continuum. The, mm -hmm. the dead were still members of the community, kept alive in memory of spirit. And during the Day of the Dead, they temporarily returned to Earth. Today, the Day of the Dead celebration is a mashup of pre-Hispanic religious rites and Christian feasts mm -hmm. combination. It takes place on November 1st and 2nd, All Saints Day and All Souls Day of Catholic calendar around the time of the Fall Mines Fest ha Harvest. Falls Mines Harvest? M-A-I-Z-E. Maize? Maize. Maize. Yeah. Corn. I told you I don't speak English well either. <laughs> <laughs> That's what the um, you know, the Native Americans referred to as corn, as maize. Okay. Well, well see, and, and one of the other things I was going on was they were very picky about making sure they, you know, not only is it, not, don't, don't look at it as another extension of Halloween. Because Halloween is basically what we have created over here in the America, in Americas, more or less, is the way I, is the way I was looking at it. Because the idea originally, don't confuse the two. The one, even though they're similar, they have nothing to do with the other. Because the original idea that even Halloween came from was Samhain, mm -hmm. which was the Celtic religion and they are still seen in different ways because the costumes of you know Halloween that we know comes from the Celtic idea of trying to dress up and the very things that we would fear to hide from what we would fear right to blend in with the uh, the the malicious spirits that would come through as the veil is, is you know, at its thinnest. Right, and it's to keep you more protected. Mm -hmm. And that's why also their bonfires were brought home to keep that protection in the home for the whole winter. Now, like I said, if you're not used to following the Day of the Dead in this understanding, don't get this confused. They are definitely, I mean, they both deal with the dead, but definitely in Different tones. I mean, right. it has nothing to do with one another. The centerpiece of the celebration in an altar is um, built in private homes and in cemeteries. Is called the Orfenda. O O F R E N D A. Orfenda. Orfenda. These aren't altars or 
these aren't altars for worshiping. Rather, they're meant to welcome spirits back to the realm of the living. As such, they're loaded with offerings, water for quenching the thirst after a long journey, food, family photos, candles for each day, each dead that would arrive or each dead relative that you're asking, giving place for them to come back, I guess would be the way. Right. Offering of their coming back. And today. also it was uh, things that they felt that their uh, passed on loved ones needed in the next world. Yeah, I could see that. If one of the spirits is a child, you might give them a toy at the altar too. You know, so, I mean, it's for them to have when they're here as well as when they go. Mm -hmm. You know, for the journey of both directions. Right. In a form. Marigolds are the main flower used to decorate the altar. And I will go over that in a little bit later um, as to why. But it's not really giving me too much on that right now. Other than they're scat scattering the marigolds on the uh, marigold petals on the altar was guides warning souls back to their place of rest. But there's more to it than just that. Um, the smoke of the copal incense made from the trees for tra transmits the blah, 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 transmits praise and prayer and purifies the area around the altar. <laughs> and like I said, different areas use different Different areas have different customs. I mean, a lot of people, I was saying to, not today, but the other day when I was working at the Grove, even, you know, some people just only assume that you can use white sage. Right. You know, and that's all they've heard. And I was explaining to someone that, you know, it wasn't until I was like five years into my, five, six years into my stuff, you know, that I realized, oh, no, man, it's all about copal for me. But I didn't know that until I came across it. And in this culture, culpable would be the idea of that white sage. Right. But I'm I'm throwing that out there too because sometimes you don't know what's meant for you until you learn what's meant for you. Right. Whereas I myself, I am a fan of uh, Paolo Santo. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, and some things have different meanings and different things. And I always say, and I know right now I'm talking about the Day of the Dead, but I, I want to throw that out there because I know that we do have listeners that are new to the whole spiritual idea, coming up with new ways and learning stuff. And if, especially if this is, you know, your culture or something then you may definitely want to use copal. But what I'm saying is, is maybe you're finding out this represents you better than Samhain. You know what I'm saying? Right. And you may find that copal represents you better in this situation. Maybe not. I'm not saying that you have to use copal is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. You're going to find that what helps you with that situation is what helps you, and to hell with what every other person tells you. Right, just because something's traditionally used doesn't mean it might be the best uh, thing for you. Right. I mean, if you if it works for you to burn pokeweed, burn fucking pokeweed, man. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Lord knows I love my pokeweeds. <laughs> <laughs> All right, but um, 
there is the Cavalier. I mean, Cal Calavera. I always want to say Cal. Can never. The sugar skulls. <laughs> Goddamn. <laughs> like I said, when you put proper names and stuff, I'm like, I, I don't know what we're talking about anymore. <laughs> Calavera means skull. And this is what we usually call the sugar skulls that everybody has heard of. But their real name is usually considered the Calavera. But during the date, but during the the late 18th and early 19th century, Calavera was used to describe to describe short hum, humorous poems which were often about tombstones and and sarcastic tombstones and situations of the dead published in newspapers and poked fun at the living. These literary calaveras and, and, uh, eventually became the popular art of the Day of the Dead celebration. Today, the practice is alive and well. You find these clever, uh, these clever little poems in print all around, you know, the broadcast of the television and radio stations and all around Mexico where they do or any of the places where they actually do the celebration of the Day of the Dead. Mm -hmm. You can find little tidbits, I would say, <clears throat> of it all over. Right. And so it helps speak of what they are. Little sprinklings here and there. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Hold on. <coughs> Excuse me, I got choked up for a minute. Yeah, I know. <laughs> In the early 20th century, Mexican... Uh, political cartoons by uh, Jose, I'm sorry if I'm going to, uh, for pronouncing his name wrong, Gal, because I can't spell it, say it right, G-U-A-D-A-L-U-P-E. Do that again? <laughs> G-U-A-D. A L U P E. Guadalupe. Yeah, I would have never gotten that out of that. Jose Guadalupe created the enchanting, created an enchanting to an, accompany the literary Calavera, dressed in personification of the death and the fantasy of French Garp. And called it the Calavera Gabar. Gab huh. G A B A N C E R A. All right, say that again. I know you people have to hate that, but <laughs> see, if I try to study it, I'm not going to get it right anyway. Um, G A B R A. G A B R A. No, G A B A N C. G A B. G A R B. Jesus. G A R B. A N C E R A. Garbancera. 
Garbancera. Okay, it was the Calavera Garbancera intending it as a social common comment commentary of the Mexican society, more or less. To commentary? Do, yeah. Damn <laughs> commentary. It's it was basically that he's creating them as dolls and skeletons and the ideas. And this is where most of your art form originally re create was created from was the idea of what he created in these cartoon characters. And then everyone else has continued to bring it to life. Underneath all of it is what what he first put out there for that designing, and then they've continued to design on that designing sense, is what I'm getting. Um, some of the food that was for the day, um, food of the dead. You work up a mighty hunger <laughs> and a thirst traveling from the spirit world back and forth on the realms of loving and the dead. Mm-hmm. The at least, <laughs> at least that the traditional belief that is the traditional belief in Mexico. Some families place their dead loved ones' favorite meals on the altar, and bringing in other common offerings like we were speaking about. But there is something that is called pan de mortal. Panda Muerto. Okay. See, I was closer on that one. <laughs> <laughs> or bread of the dead. And it is typically a sweet bread. Um, offering, I mean, often featuring anise. An how do you say that anyway? Anise seeds? Anise seeds? Anise. Anise. Hmm. That's just like thyme. I mean, I walked around calling it thyme forever. I was like, or thyme when it's thyme. It's actually, it's pronounced time. Yeah, but so it's I, not, I call it thyme, yeah. yeah. So I always get them backwards. I'm really bad on this stuff. <laughs> All right, but the bread is a sweet bread. It is with what kind of seeds? Anise. Anise seeds, and it's decorated with bones of bones and skulls made from the dough itself. The bones might be arranged in circles as in circle of life, but the tiny dough symbolizes sorrow. The sugar skulls are part of the sugar art tradition brought in the 17th century as well and Italian, mis Italian missionaries pressed in molds and decorated with crystal crystal crystalline colors. Crystalline. Yeah, I was like, it's not coming out right. They come in all sizes and levels and complexities. Drinks include, um, how do you pronounce that one? What? P-U-L-Q-U-E. Pulkier? P-U-L-Q-U-E. Pulkway. Pulkway. Well, I was saying pulkier. It's, uh... It's a neat, another sweet fermented beverage made from um, made from that average sap. Average? A V no A G A V E. Agave. Agave, agave sap. Come on now. 
Haven't you ever done tequila shots? That doesn't mean I know what it's made of. Agave. <laughs> I didn't know. Like I said, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm very bad on the Mexican and Hispanic traditions. Because I'm not. Even though my last name is Espinosa. That's because I married one. That doesn't mean I understand. <laughs> and in all that time, you didn't pick up nothing? Now we know why you're no longer married to him. <laughs> yeah, no, no, exactly. Yeah, we're, yeah. Mm-hmm. I can't even play on that note. <laughs> Not even going to try to pretend that one through. <laughs> okay, but it is made of that and corn flour and unrefined cane sugar, cinnamon and vanilla added with some hot chocolate. Hmm. I don't know if that sounds good to me or not. I, you know, I, I, I can't knock it till I try it because uh, their rice milk kind of concoction called horchata is fucking delicious. And uh, but you know, the fact that it's got agave in there is immediately off-putting. Yeah, I'm just saying that with all the other stuff just sounds weird well, to me. Well, you know what agave is, right? Didn't you just say it had to do with the whole tequila thing? Yeah, yeah, it's a type of cactus that's used to make tequila. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, like I have a I have a whole bunch of actual Hispanics, like a family that works for me at mm-hmm. my natural work. And I get along well with them all and whatnot. I mean but every once in a while I have one that's been working with me for a whole lot longer than the rest, but they're all part of the family. And she brings in stuff, you know, and 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 will give it to me. Like, they have, I don't know, certain drinks and stuff. And she's like, oh, just shut up, Shell. Just take it, you know. And usually I end up liking it. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I'm looking at it and I'm like, no. <laughs> I mean, and I don't know what, I mean, they come in with different stuff and, I'm not as easy as you are about trying something new. Fair enough. I mean, and and, and they come in with such spicy stuff sometimes. And I'm like, my stomach's going to be off of me. You know? <laughs> I'm like, it's going to be like run, run away. I was like, I, my body doesn't do that as well. And they're like, just try it. And so, I mean, this drink may be good. I don't know. And I'm going to leave it that. Fair enough. <laughs> okay. As we get into costumes, the Day of the Dead is extremely a social holiday that spills into the streets, the public square, at all hours of the day and night. Dressing up as skeletons is part of the fun. People of all ages have their faces artfully painted, like the sugar skull to represent skulls and are mimicking the sugar skull itself. They um, paint their suits and get all fancy dressed. Many, uh, Many wear their many wear shells or offer noisemakers to amp up the excitement. And also... Possibly rouse the dead and keep them close during the fun. 
the idea is, like I said, to be part of the fun. And they, they poke fun at the dead in a, in a way. Not in a negative way of poking fun at of the dead. But to say, even though you're gone, you're not gone. Hmm. In a form is what it is. So it's allowing them to be somewhat of the oneness again. Right. Uh, real quick, uh, touching back on food, I just found something very interesting I thought we might want to share with the listeners. Right something ahead. that's a drink that's non-alcoholic. And like I said, it was just, it caught me off guard and it looked like it would be interesting. Uh, <clears throat> Jamaican iced tea is a popular herbal tea made from the flowers and leaves of the Jamaican hibiscus plant. Uh, I'm not going to bore you with the Latin. Known as Flor de Jamaica in Mexico, it is served cold and quite sweet with a lot of ice. The ruby red beverage is called hibiscus tea in English-speaking countries and agua de Jamaica in Spanish. Or water of hibiscus. Yeah, I've heard of, I've heard of it before, but, you know, not in that tone. Right. Huh, that's funny. I mean, it's funny because, like I said, some traditions get all over. I mean, like I said, Halloween, Samhain, the Day of the Dead, they're not all the same, mm -hmm. but yet the core is the same, the dead. Stop looking at yourself on the TV. <laughs> well, now that I have to since you said it. <laughs> but the point is, is they all have... That you know what I'm saying is is they all come down to that one thing and it's funny how they're so different but yet so the same. Right. And pieces of it manage to go on and on and on and on and then so many pieces of it just get lost. And I find that sadly amusing. Sadly amusing? Because it's sad that certain important pieces get lost the less important parts all stay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So sadly amusing is the way I see it. Or just sad. Because the tradition's been kept, it's just been kept wrong. Right. So, you know, that's why I see it that way. Um, Hold on. Let, let me, I wanted to check on this. Mary Gold's. I'm sorry, I, I wanted to go back in because I knew I saw something else about Mary Gold, so I've kind of just moving around now on my notes. Marigolds were believed to be a pathway that guide the spirits to their next place, wherever is the next place on their agenda, more, to, more or less. The flowers vibrate in colors, sent a, were, were in scent, attract the departed souls, the idea was. And they, it returns... As they return to the feast of their favorite foods, they are called back to the very color of the flower and the scent of the flower. And they symbolize the beauty and the fr fragility of life in general, the marigold does. The flower includes around 60 include around 60 annuals and pre-annuals that are native to Mexico and Central America. But see, that's why I wanted to come back in because I kind of was picking a little bit at different places. And the marigold, I wanted, I wanted to make sure to touch base on its 
It's natural need in the idea here. You know what I'm saying? Because it's considered to be a pathway that helps guide them. And the very scent of it for the departed soul helps them feel more comfortable. In general, I found that to be important enough to go over while we were looking at it. But is there... I I'm pretty much think I'm coming down to where I don't have much more to talk about here. No, oh, that's fine. We're at... Uh, we're at that time? We're at that time. Okay, good. Because I was like, are we at that time? I was like, because I have some stuff, but if I really go over it, it's just going to kind of go over it again. Right. That's fine. Yeah. That's why I was checking. We can move into Sola Ham. <laughs> Excuse me. Uh, as of October 21st, 2019 at 2250 UTC, uh, geomagnetic, a geomagnetic storm watch is in effect. Coronal hole combo. Not just a coronal hole, but a coronal hole combo. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. My dirty mind, please proceed. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's usually two holes really close to each other. Uh, Can't take me nowhere. <laughs> coronal hole combo number 75 and 76 will begin to face Earth over the next several days. A geomagnetic enhancement possibly reaching storm levels, will be possible beginning October 24th. Visible aurora will be possible at higher latitudes. And that's all we got. <laughs> okay, guys. Um, we have a lot. I mean, we really have a, a ton going on in astrology. And I'm not going to be able to go over all of it. I will tell you before I start getting into the astrology tonight, I am already starting to go into November's astrology for each individual sign on my YouTube channel. So please check out Lady Stars on Fire on YouTube. And you can uh, check out the astrology coming in for the month of November. Because I'm already starting to set them out. Plus, you can always go back and check out the ones that were up for October. Because we are definitely coming into some major changes in our lives over the next next year. But that next year is really going to be setting the next six years of changing. And you're setting the ground and the foundation for that right now. Now, I know I've been saying over and over again over this past year that certain things were coming in and asking you to make decisions. You know, making some cold, hard decisions about things that were going on. And I know a lot of people, and as, as an astrologer, I hate this part of it. Because as an astrologer, we've been saying these things for a while. And it wasn't starting to be, oh, wow, you know, until now. And that's because we start seeing these things in advance. And we're trying to help you sort out those directions before the, oh, wow, starts to hit. But that doesn't mean that it can't still be a positive thing. That doesn't mean that it can't still be a positive thing. It's all about where you're willing to take your life and the chances you're willing to put on yourself and trust in yourself for. We have a new moon coming up. I believe it's on, because I don't have all of my paperwork in front of me right now. I'm just using it off of the charts that I have on my phone. And it doesn't tell me the exact date, but um, I believe the new moon is coming in in Scorpio on the 27th. 
Now you're gonna, this is the first of two new moons that we are feeling. This is, new moons are all, all about new beginnings, new goals, new directions, new desires, new starts. And it's, and I, and I say it's the first of two because at the end of November, you're also having another new moon in Scorpio. So this is gonna take a two month period, not a one month. And a lot of what you're directing right now, or you're coming into this directing, because you'll see the events start to redirect you for that new moon. Situations that are occurring in your life are spinning into different directions right now. And that has everything to do with what this little cycle of the new moon is going to go over the first time. And then we kind of reorganize it re-pick um, it apart, and then truthfully set it into a new direction come the end of November. So I'm letting you know this is a two-period cycle. It will amplify as you work through the month of November, but you'll still be critiquing it. Now, you have a lot still going on at this time. Let me help you to understand. A lot of people have been complaining about negativities that have been coming in, and I was... Uh, dealing with some spirit guides the other day, which has helped me to understand part of this, excuse me, part of these energies that you're seeing is the beginning of an ending of a cycle that took place in Libra starting and uh, starting almost, almost 30 years ago. I mean, technically, the cycle is coming to an end within mid-next year, but it's starting now, and it has to do with Saturn, Jupiter, Pluto, and Neptune. And part of the reason these negative energies, and this had to do with all of these signs, happened to have been in Libra in 1980, 81, and 82 as that energy shifted. Haley's Comet came flying through at that time. It was not in our area. It was not in our sight. But it was also going through another orbit that it is touching that orbit again now. And it is bringing a negative aspect to it. Making you have no choice but to see specific parts of those I would say, you know, that cycle that began, the pieces of that cycle that's trying to force you to see some things that you must put to rest. You must change. And part of it is definitely dealing within the relationship zone because it took place in Libra. The original energies did. But they're coming back in now because the cycle is starting to come to an end. But as Haley's Comet is passing in its orbit, past Neptune's orbit, they're forcing out some of those negativities. Now, let's remember, negative, not negative, Neptune is all about magic. Neptune is where fantasy smacks you in the face with harsh reality. It's where illusion and delusion get distorted. It's where the confusion takes place. It's where nostalgia is held onto with false images. It's like as if you were listening to this right now. It seems like I'm speaking to you, but in honesty, by the time you're listening to this show, who knows what I'm off doing? <laughs> I, mean, I mean, so, I mean, it's it's a little bit distorted in what its magic brings. And it all depends on how you create your magic. Well, like I said, with Haley's Comet coming through, 
And like I said, we won't actually see it. It's just where they're coming close to passing each other on their orbit cycle. You know, it's forcing some of that negativity to the surface from Neptune's point of view. Now, remember, right now, Neptune is... Neptune has Lilith right next to it. So it's all about the sacral chakra. Lilith is our inner our inner sexual temptress. She's also our inner demon, so to speak. She's our inner feminist. She's, I won't take no for an answer. I mean, or I won't do as you damn well please. I will do as I want. And nobody's going to make me do anything less than that. She makes you learn how to stand in your fire. She makes you realize that your fire is for you and for nobody else. She makes you realize that your passion, your action and aggression should not be something that is sacrificed for others because you must first sacrifice it for yourself by giving it to yourself, loving yourself. Not necessarily, though, in a narcissistic way or a self-centered way. Remember, we're about to have Mercury go retrograde on Halloween. So Mercury, our communication system is in the negative right now. It's in the shadow. It's kind of looking at the darker aspects as well. Lilith is pointing out to Neptune where we're not using our magic for ourselves, where we're not connecting it to our sacral chakra and we're not feeling good about ourselves. We don't have confidence in ourselves. We can't believe in ourselves. And she's forcing you to bring your root chakra and your solar, your solar plexus up. To bring all of that to a new high vibrational change. And I promise you, you're going to start noticing next year that the chakra systems are actually taking a shift and they're upgrading as well. Because as we as humans, we are upgrading. So they are shifting within us. And this has much to do with what's going on right now. And if you are getting on board with loving you, being confident, being in your own fire starting to truly come into your authentic self and find out how to step into that power, then you're going to start to overcome these negatives. But these negatives are being pushed out because they're forcing us to make the changes we need to so the vibration rises. However, as the vibration rises, I always say as the vibration rises, the negatives have to come out because they've got to go somewhere. I'm sorry, I was dying of thirst. So, we are seeing these energies starting to take place right now. And it is absolutely not getting along with what happens to actually be in, Nep I mean, happens to actually be in Libra now. And that is Mars. That is a form, the magic of your sacral chakra attacking what the true sacral chakra is. The idea of where you can take that sacral chakra, your passion, your action, your aggression, your inner warrior, your inner SWAT team, as well as your inner belly dancer, the confidence that you need to rise of where you are right now versus one of two things, either who you were in the past or who you can be in the future. And which one are you going to choose? Because one of those two are going to win. And the one that you are right now is only really wanting to move forward into a new positive strength. 
but it's it's facing off with the illusion of who you're either creating or who you've been and you're afraid to create and making you step backwards. The idea here is to understand, period, that either it's it's like they say, you've been weighed and measured and found wanting. So are you the one that's going to be found wanting or not? Basically is where we're starting to come into in energies right now. You're going to be feeling this for all of the week. And you're, you've just had the moon. The moon is going to be, um, let me see. The moon actually crosses over this in the next two days. Making it even more sensitive on the 26th. Well, more than two days. But on the 26th, the moon and Mars and the moon and Mars will be right on top of each other, definitely in conversation with that Neptune and Lilith. So I'm saying it's a very positive thing, but it's a very sensitive thing. It's all about coming into your power or will you be pushed away from your power? And that is a free will choice. It's that simple. You have the moon, which is, like I said, you're coming into... Uh, a new moon at the end of the week where the moon and Scorpio, the moon, the sun, and Scorpio will both be taking place for a new moon, the first of two, which is your sun and your moon, your core and your subconscious coming together. So it's a rise of elevation, a rise of, you know, your soulfulness if you're willing to work with it. But at the same time, this is asking us, are we ready to move forward or are we going to be scared and crawl back into the corner? And more or less, that's what these energies are pushing on us so hard for to see which direction we're willing to go. Remember, you have, right now we still have Saturn and Pluto, which is fighting that North node which is in cancer this has everything to do with making a stand outside of yourself for the changes that need to happen in order to move forward but somehow still being divinely guided to do it with unconditional love which is very hard in itself to be able to still be in the oneness, in unconditional love, be nurturing, be loving, and still stand in your power and tell someone or someplace or something to fuck off, <clears throat> more or less. That's not like it's an easy thing, but this has everything to do with setting rules, walls, and boundaries that support our life as we change and soulfully evolve. We are being put in very difficult positions. And I've been saying over and over again, spirit keeps connecting me back to Alice in Wonderland. Just get with the Cheshire Cat. The more you can get with life, my reality is different from yours. Right. The more you'll be on the right page. It's stepping into those other realms and bringing that higher energy back to you. And as long as you bring that higher energy, that higher vibrational frequency back, then you'll start bringing back the manifestation you want, not the one that you've always had and accidentally continue to create. That's the most I can give you without going into a whole, whole, whole lot more detail. And so I love you guys, and check in next week. May all your journeys be safe ones. Bye. Bye. Come now, my darling. Let's 
step back in time with me for a spell. Back to when the wild things, they were not for sale. And what was sacred had not yet.